Hello and welcome to this podcast mini-series from the Financial Services Council. I'm Sally Lone, the Chief Executive here at the FSC, and in these podcasts we're reflecting on the highlights and talking points from the FSC Life Insurance Summit, recently held in Sydney. In this episode, we tackle the regulatory landscape. During the summit, our podcast interviewer Andy McLean caught up with two industry leaders. First, you'll hear what Cathy Deloy from MetLife had to say. Following that, Andy chats with John Beryl from Beryl Watson. Let's get started. Uh, Cathy, we've heard a lot today from all kinds of regulators, ASIC, APRA, AFCA and others. Uh, Are there any issues or takeaways that have really stood out for you this morning? Well, I think a few things, yeah. I was re- we were really excited this morning to hear the Minister talking about the change in the approach to advice. So instead of uh, commissions being considered primarily being reviewed by ASIC, that review will be moved into Treasury. I think that's a really positive move. So it can be considered holistically with the quality of advice as well as accessibility and affordability. That was not from a regulator, but it was uh, about regulation and and from the Minister, so that was great. In terms of what we've heard from regulators, um, there's obviously a really big focus on fairness and a couple of people commented that the industry has already moved a long way on that and I think uh, we, we can definitely see that in lots of ways. I think the life code has been really great for improving standards for consumers is that there's a, a big cultural shift in life insurers, insurers to really try and focus on the customer and the needs of the customer. Uh, it also raises really important cultural issues about um, putting the customer at the centre of what we do and also empowering staff to speak up when they see issues and to, and to address issues. And at, at MetLife we try and really encourage that, that culture of, of people speaking up and we have a one of our values is own it, which means that people are really empowered to to speak up when they see issues and talk about it. That's the kind of change I mean. I think the industry has really changed a lot. I've been in the industry a long time and it's transformed massively in that time since I've been in it. And there's been a really rapid pace of change in the the last three or four four years. And Cathy, of course, ultimately the end of all of this is the consumer. That's why we we exist as an industry and indeed it's why we've seen so many legislative changes and regulatory reform. Uh, if you think about, you know, stepping back for a moment and looking at the wave of regulatory change that we're seeing, how do you think that's going to play out for consumers? I think uh, it can only get better for consumers. And as I said, uh, I think the industry has already moved quite a long way in terms of cultural reform, even in advance of the regulatory change. So the regulatory change will obviously provide further impetus for that. Um, the some of the changes that I think will make a big difference is claims handling becoming a financial service, so more focus on efficiently acting efficiently, honestly and fairly in the claims team. I think with our claims teams, we've always taken what they do seriously and, and life insurers have invested a lot in their claims team, their training, their capability. It's been a big focus in the last few years. So it, um, it's, it's not like 
claims teams have we've treated them as being this unregulated space where they're allowed to run around and do whatever they want. Uh, that it has been a really strong area of focus, both both from a risk perspective and a customer perspective. But this will obviously give uh, greater impetus to change cultural change in the in the claims area and to and a, a bigger focus on on fairness. You know, we think our products do provide good value already. Uh, across the industry, we pay something like 92% of claims. And although there are areas where industry can do better, some of those, I think, in particular in relation to product design, I think the design and distribution obligations will, re will really help that process to make sure that our products are properly designed and, and that pockets of, of areas where there was less value will, will gradually reduce. Cathy, can you tell us a little bit about what new regulatory reform could potentially be a game changer? Like, what are you advocating for? So there's a couple that we've been advocating for, and one of them is about making it easier for insurance to fund health services. It seems crazy to us that, for example, the life insurance industry is one of the biggest supporters of people with mental health conditions in the country. In fact, outside of the government, we provide more funding than any other sector for people with mental health conditions and yet we're not allowed to fund counselling. Uh, so th this to us seems like an absolute no-brainer. We do what we can within the scope of the, of the legislation and um, our 360 health service takes a really holistic approach to, to wellness and, and to trying to support our customers and, and, and members but we would really like to see those regulatory forms. We think that could be a real game changer. Um, the other one that we're really concerned about is the regulatory burden that's being placed on advisors. We've seen a lot of advisors exit the industry. It's becoming very expensive to provide advice. And uh, that's been reflected in sales across the industry as well. Retail sales have already dropped off. So we're at a real touch point at the moment where we really need to address this in order to make sure that life insurance continues to be affordable and access to advisors. So anything that we can do to ease that regulatory burden, reduce the red tape for advisors, that would be something that we would really welcome. Cathy, thank you very much. There's lots for us to, uh, to be thinking about there. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. That was Cathy Deloy there from MetLife. Joining us now is John Beryl from Beryl and Watson. Hi, John. Thanks for hey, joining John. us. No worries. Uh, John, interested uh, to kind of continue the conversation that I've just been having with Cathy yep. around regulatory reform and anything in particular that you think could be a game changer for the life insurance industry. Uh, I do. I think there is. Um, look, we've had a lot of regulatory reform. And I think for the large part, it's been positive and it's been pro-consumer. But what it has not really addressed is the fundamentals of the product design. I think that's the biggest problem in life insurance at the moment. It's the biggest challenge facing life insurance because it deals with the question of affordability and therefore the question of availability of life insurance. And that change is, I think we've reached the point where we need um, in the retail area, we need standard terms and conditions. Uh, and in the group area, we need universal terms and conditions, which was what was the recommendation of the Hain Rural Commission. Uh, what do you think, John, would be the impact if that kind of change was enacted? With, <clears throat> with both of them, actually. I think it would make, it would confine products to, for, to be fit for purpose, make them more fit for purpose than they are now. I think we've seen drag. So we've seen a shift of products away from what they were originally designed. 
TPD cover is probably the best example of that, where you've seen a shift from uh, a product which was designed to cover for someone if their working days were over, to being a shift away that whether it's court interpretations, whether it's been after interpretations, whether it's been the way claims have gone, but the, the shift has been towards paying someone if they've got a significant disability, but they might have a capacity for work and some people do go back to work. So we've seen a shift away from what its original design was to something that it is not. So I think there's need for introduction of a specific, sort of a default um, definition of that. And in the income protection area, which is the subject of APRA intervention at the moment in the retail area, I think we need to build on what, AP, what APRA is doing, which is to ban um, fixed price cover, uh, to, um, to, uh, to move towards a product that's designed, whether it's only for, whether you only get default cover for a limited period of time, particularly in group super, group insurance in super, I think that's appropriate. It sounds to me like a change like that would not only benefit the industry, but also the community as well, right? Yeah, well, I, I, that's what it's designed to do. Um, uh, let me give you an example. The, the Insurance Contracts Act, which is the overarching federal legislation, when it was introduced in 1986, it introduced a thing called standard cover for general insurance, so home and contents policies, travel insurance, that sort of stuff. They had, so, that, so they set out minimum terms and conditions that, people, that insurers could vary from or change up if they wanted to, but they had to clearly inform someone. So sort of set a default setting or a minimum standard setting, right? Um, the proposal was that that be extended to life insurance soon after, but that never happened. And 35 years later, it still hasn't happened. Now, the problem of people in the industry says, oh, we don't want that sort of government intervention because it will it will affect innovation, product innovation, etc. Well, it hasn't in the general insurance industry. The general insurance industry is still going, right? Home and contents policies are still there. There's plenty of insurers in the market. It's a competitive market. It's got its problems with climate change and things like that, but it's still a competitive market. So I think there is scope to say that in retail, which has been a problematic area in the last few years, particularly as we're seeing from these APRA, latest APRA stats in retail income protection, there is a reason for a reset um, to make it more fit for purpose and therefore more affordable and therefore more people will have it or not drop it. I'd like to just step back for a moment, uh, John, while we've got you, just to, I guess, reflect on what you've heard overall at the conference uh, over the last couple of days. Do you walk away from the summit with a, a sense of optimism? Well, my starting point is I've been working in the insurance industry as a lawyer for consumers for 25 years now. I've seen lots and lots of changes coming and going and good and bad, uh, etc. It's never shaken my belief of the importance of life insurance as a product in Australia. I mean, I've acted for thousands of people whose lives have been um, dramatically changed and dramatically improved by the fact that they've had insurance to fall back on, whether it be income protection for a short period of incapacity, whether it be a TPD benefit for long-term incapacity, whether it be a death benefit for surviving family members. The value is definitely there and it, it has saved countless people from 
dependence on the government welfare system, and Jane Hume talked about that today, which was, I thought, a really important point. So it's got an it's incredibly valuable. My my belief in that has not been shaken. Today's conference that it's recognised the problem. I like the fact that it's recognised the problems. I like the fact that it's talked about issues like dealing with fairness and and uh, product design and that sort of stuff. I like that, but I do think it's reached the point where we need more than that, right? And I think we need more than that. Not in, not in every area. We don't need government intervention in every area, but I think we need certain interventions or certain standard covers, etc to sharpen the focus on affordability and availability. Mm. Food for thought there, John. Thank you yeah. so much for joining us. No problem at all. See you later. Thanks for listening to this episode in the FSC podcast mini-series. We hope you enjoyed it. To hear from more industry thought leaders and changemakers, check out the other episodes in this series. And to make sure you don't miss any future FSC podcasts, subscribe on Apple Podcasts. While you're there, feel free to leave us a comment and a rating. In the meantime, thanks very much for listening and goodbye for now. Thank you.